Should Christians celebrate Halloween? The answer that you're going to get on today's episode of Relatable with my friends from the Cultish podcast might surprise you. They are going to take us through the interesting history of Halloween, the true origins of Halloween that you probably have not heard before. I had not heard it. I learned a lot today. Your perspective on Halloween might stay the same after this conversation, or it might change, but I guarantee you will learn something that you did not know before. This is not only a fascinating conversation about history, but it's also an insightful conversation about the gospel, about Christians' responsibility to be a light in the darkness, what that looks like, the difference between paranoia and isolationism and being in the world, but not of the world and living in a way that understands and believes that Jesus is really king over all of it. So I know that you are going to love this. Before we get into the conversation, a couple things. Shout out to two new stickers that we have. We'll put them up on YouTube. If you're watching, we've got our Rip Row sticker. We've also got our Vote sticker. These are $5. Get them, pass them out to your friends, especially the voting ones. This could be a great conversation starter with your conservative friends who maybe are a little bit apathetic. Use this podcast. Use the resources that we provide to educate your friends about why politics matters so much. There's so much at stake in all of your areas, in all of your states. Also, please, if you love this uh, podcast, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube as well. As always, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to goodranchers.com slash Allie. Now here are our friends from Cultish, Jeremiah and Andrew. All right, guys, thanks so much for joining again. Today, I want to talk to you guys about a few things, one of them being the origins of Halloween. As you know, there's a lot of disagreement among Christians about if Halloween should even be recognized. Should we do trick-or-treating? Should we only do fall harvest parties? Can we do Halloween that's not super scary and celebrating death? And so tell us first, take us back to what are the actual origins of Halloween? Is it a pagan death ritual or not? Well, yeah. Uh, thanks again, Allie, for having us on. It's great to be back on Relatable. I think in this discussion, uh, everyone does have those conversations, whether it's okay to do a fall festival whether I can just dress up like something like Super Mario or if I cannot dress up gory. Uh, but I think a lot of times people don't see the bigger picture. Um, one is that, uh, again, this is a polarizing issue. A lot of it's very, there's a lot of people that we love and have a tremendous amount of respect for that's that really have di very different uh, opinions as far as the nature of Halloween. So I think before we even get uh, into the conversation about whether or not you should quote unquote celebrate or even participate, it's important to have context because ultimately as Christians, we need to make sure that we are uh, in the pursuit of truth and that we also uh, have integrity when we want to look at history. So in the mm -hmm. same way how a lot of pseudo-history will make up nonsense claims like the Bible was invented, uh, at the Council of Nicaea, or, or that somehow Jesus is a copy of the pagan gods, kind of like the film Zeitgeist, or a lot of that was articulated in the Da Vinci Code, that's pseudo-history. 
So it's important that we be have integrity and we look at this issue holistically. So we're really excited to jump into that. Yeah. Yeah. So if we think about the origins of Halloween, I mean, even the name itself is Halloween, uh, not Halloween, Halloween. And it literally means like hallow, holy, you know, but the question comes today is people say, well, is this just uh, a redressed pagan festival? So the pagan festival in question that would be talking about is pronounce it for me real quick, Jerry. Uh, Samhain. Samhain. It's spelled. It looks like Sam. Hain, but it's Samhain, so mm. I always pronounce it wrong. It just, it's hard for me to even <laughs> say it. So let's look at the early origins or the historical evidence we even have for Samhain. So people like to make the claims that Samhain is some ancient festival that we have this documentation that has been practiced, let's say, from the early, early medieval times uh, and then was overthrown by Christianity. But that's actually not the case. The earliest documentation we have for Samhain comes from the 11th century. And I don't even want to try to pronounce the name of this uh, this this work in question just because it's got an Irish pronunciate, pronunciation. Uh, so I can't really do that. But it's also known as the uh, Only Jealousy of Emer. And it comes from around the 10th or 11th century AD. And it's a recount of this festival. But this festival never mentions worship of the dead. It never mentions uh, things that people can state uh, that Christians stole from pagan practices. Really, uh, it never even mentions when it is to be celebrated. So Samhain, or was that it? Was that right? Yeah. Samhain uh, really wasn't even practiced on October 31st, November 1st, uh, because this the ancients of this time didn't actually use a Gregorian calendar. They based things off more of a lunar cycle. So the date when Samhain would be practiced, which was more of an event where they would celebrate the end of the year, would be something that would change every single year. Whereas our documentation, again, comes from the 11th, uh, 10th century for Samhain, but for All Saints Day or uh, the veneration of some of the early church martyrs, we actually have documentation that goes all the way back to the 3rd and 4th century of early Christianity. And we can go back to uh, the martyrdom, martyrdom of Polycarp uh, within the 2nd century. There's a work that actually quotes and says we need to look for ways to venerate. Uh, but early or a little bit after that, we have a Christian bishop named Ephraim the Syrian. He mentions All Saints Day, and this is around th 373. Uh, and also, I mean, it goes it goes all the way back from the early third century into the ninth century. But it goes from the early Christian church fathers celebrating uh, the dead saints up mm. to where the Pope initiates a specific day for All Saints Day and Hallows, Hallows Eve, which would have been on October 31st, November 1st, but that wasn't done until around the ninth century. Okay. Yeah. And that and that's one of the things that was really interesting just in us just looking strictly at the historical origins, because again, this is a very emotionally charged conversation. Right. Um, and like, even for me personally, I don't participate in the modern day celebration of Halloween. Uh, that's just my own personal decision, my own personal convictions. So maybe that has been helpful for me to try and just look at the actual history of it, because everyone kind of, it's very easy to, if you have confirmation bias, to uh, try and immediately Google Halloween evil or Halloween Christian, whatever your confirmation biases are. 
uh, what what I found really interesting is even when you go back to the original uh, core, uh, the idea behind uh, All Saints Day was that during the time when Christians were being persecuted by Rome, you have people who are very famous, like uh, Polycarp, like you mentioned, and even his story is incredible about how he gave his life uh, for Christ. But you have really thousands of Christians, many who are unnamed, who were uh, who were di- who died because they would not give a pinch on the incense uh, to Caesar. So what you really end up seeing is that in the same way we have the tomb of the unknown soldier, like the All Saints Day was almost a commemoration to all the saints who mm. uh, laid down their lives uh, for Christ, uh, and were where most of them were were killed either by the lions or in other horrific ways in the Colosseum, or they were killed by Nero. Uh, which is a very, very interesting history. So I think that's one of the things, too, is that when you look at the formulation of All Saints Day, that was actually formulated uh, way before Salon. And what the argument is, is that people trying to say it distinctly came from Salon, the only problem is is that you have a, a huge gap, uh, several thousand years, in between the two holidays. Yeah, and I think it's important to understand as well is that Uh, What we see happen within at least the modern era or even during the Enlightenment period is we have people, uh, for example, Jeffrey Keating, who wrote uh, folklore, right, on Irish mythology. But it has been recently discredited that this folklore was more of a fake lore. And most recent historians have shown uh, one name specifically would be Ronald Hutton, who is a early Britain and pre-Christian era of Britain historian, has shown that most of these folklore ca- claims from the 18th and 19th century of what was actually occurring in Sam Hain, there's there's all of them are pretty much debunked. So there's a difference between the folklore and the fake lore. Sam that was Hain created. is Salin, right? It's yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did it again. I always yeah, say I just, I, well, I just want to make sure for people listening that they yeah. knew that you're talking about the same thing. Yeah, yeah that's my uh, that's fine. <laughs> 21st century and, and American. 10 hours yesterday from Utah. So, wow. yeah, my a little jumbled. But the, the point is, is that we have also within the 20th century, we have a, a rebirth of neo-paganism and we have people trying to make claims that aren't necessarily true in order to, order to bolster their own presuppositions. So. Uh, that's what's actually has been happening within modern era. And then we have the, the fault of Christians today actually believing some of this fake lore that has no historical evidence. Yeah. And, uh, and also what's really interesting, uh, and I'll let you jump in with what questions you have is that, uh, a lot of, there's a huge distinction between the ancient history behind, uh, and there's no doubt that people did, there's pagans throughout all eras of history, that were tapped into things that are tangibly uh, real. We talk about that extensively. Uh, we're trying to really sound the alarm bell because culture, culturally right now, we are on a free fall into neo-paganism. We are going from a, a, going from a fundamentally Christ, uh, society built on Judeo-Christian principles where we are currently on free fall into neo-paganism. So that's really important to understand. Uh, but when you actually look uh, at there's a distinction, though, between ancient history, uh, but also, and even All Saints Day, but even the modern-day celebration. Uh, one thing that's very, very interesting is that uh, one of the main connections, and we, again, we can provide some more resources, too, for those who are interested in uh, checking us out at a, at a later time, but one of the real valid holidays, which I was really, my mind was really blown about, was actually uh, Guy Fox, 
there is a uh, he was known infamously known. He was a kind of articulated in the movie V for Vendetta. Uh, he had something known as the gunpowder plot, where in the 1500s he attempted to blow up uh, London Parliament. That plot was foiled. So around the 5th of November, you would actually would have uh, Guy Fox Day. And that was primarily celebrated that eve that the time of Guy Fox. It was uh, an evening where there would be a bunch of bonfires. That's where the idea of people wearing masks uh, came from. And there would be also would be a lot of elusive pranks. So what ended up happening is that, as we know, America is a melting pot. And it's a mixture of a lot of syncretistic ideas. Mm-hmm. And so which, what ended up happening is that when uh, the people who celebrated Guy Fox Day they immigrated over here to America. They carried over those traditions. So when you look at the bonfires doing pranks around that time, uh, and also, uh, yeah, bonfires wearing masks doing pranks around that time, that carried over to the United States. And that actually had a huge influence on how it developed in the early 1900s. All right, quick pause to tell you guys about our first sponsor for the day. It's an awesome company with an awesome service, and that is Covenant Eyes. You guys know we are in a spiritual war every day. It manifests itself in different ways, and one of the uh, chief ways that people are being attacked today, marriages, relationships, minds, hearts are being attacked, is through the pervasiveness of pornography. Many of you, even within the church, have seen the damaging effects of porn on people's individual lives and also on their relationships. And this can be especially harmful for kids. Kids are starting to see porn younger and younger because it is truly so ubiquitous if they have different uh, devices. It's so easily accessed. And so if you want to protect yourself, protect your marriage, and protect your kids from the damaging effects of pornography, you should look into Covenant Eyes. It's a software that you can download on all of your devices using just one account, and it actually blocks porn from appearing. There's also different accountability tools that you can use so different people in your community can keep you in check, making sure that everything that you are looking at on your devices is in line with Philippians 4.8 is lovely, good, excellent, worthy of praise. So get Covenant Covenant Eye software, block porn on your devices, on your children's devices. Get Covenant Eyes accountability software for free for 30 days by visiting coveyes.com slash Allie, C-O-V-I's.com slash Allie. Don't wait any longer. Check it out. That's coveyes.com slash Allie. My next question is, how did it then develop in the United States in the 20th century into this dark and almost kind of, for some groups, really kind of like a satanic worship ritual and where we are not just honoring the death of martyrs of Christians, but people are really celebrating uh, death and gore and things that we genuinely, no matter where you land on this, you don't really want your kids seeing and celebrating that. And so Mm -hmm. like, how did that happen? Yeah, that's a, and and that's a great point, Allie. And I think as Christians, it's very important that we always adhere to the, the sanctity of human life. And that's also, you know, you had Christians in the first century that were doing that. You had you had families that would, uh, put out babies that were unwanted, uh, outside, uh, their house to leave to die and Christians would go out in the middle of the night to scoop these babies up. 
because mm-hmm. they knew every single person was image bearer of God with unique dignity, value, and worth. So mm-hmm. I think that's also one of the things that a lot of Christians rightfully bring up the objections to the modern day uh, celebration of Halloween, because that does come out a lot, especially. Um, but one thing is to, is to note, when we just talk about the historical, we need to make sure we understand, is that Halloween is always is very syncretistic, but it's also a dim mirror to the current culture at the time. And so how it essentially came about, and again, we can provide some resources if people want to look at it further, is that in the early 1900s, it was really the celebration or the kind of the continuation or just the celebration with almost a disconnect from Guy Fox, but just the, doing the pranks, bonfires, wearing masks. And so you really had uh, young boys and just young children who would go out around the 31st, around that time, and they would do all sorts of pranks and mischief. And it got to a point where it was kind of known as Halloween, but that was really what it was known for. Young people going out, doing pranks, mischief, mayhem. Uh, and, but it ended up being a point to where it got so out of hand, there were several states that were actually considering uh, banning Halloween just because the pranks were getting out of hand. Uh, it was getting, people were getting injured. And so what, at, what came as a byproduct is that people just naturally wanted to figure out a way to quell uh, what was happening, they want to say, oh, you need to do a curfew, you need to do a, a lockdown. Maybe we all know about those given the last couple of years. So the idea was to, like, let's give these young people treats as a way to barter them, sort of bargain with them, hmm. not to do these ex- excessive pranks. And that's really where the idea, the modern American idea hmm, of trick or treat, treat came from. Hmm. It said, hey, don't do these pranks. Here's some candy. Behave yourself. Right. And if you continue to behave yourself, we'll give you more treats. But then naturally they wanted to get they kind of it was really a children's holiday where it was just children going from door to door. If you look uh, like it's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown, like that was the initial spirit. It had a very like Norm Rock, like Saturday Evening Post, Norm Rockwell aesthetic to it. Uh, that's really how it came about, even like and also. One of the primary things that you have syncretism, uh, you also have uh, this children's holiday that came about that was connected to Guy Fox. But a big part of it, honestly, is capitalism. I mean, if you, even if you look at right, right now, the most amount of commercial, the most commercially industrial, commercially industrial holiday besides Christmas is Halloween just because of the merchandise, uh, the yard decorations, the uh, candy that gets put out. And so really, it was just capitalism. A lot of small businesses that, hey, people are going to door to door, they're doing this activity. It, it organically just became something that was celebrated in every state, uh, this people going door to door. And people are saying, hey, let's start making candy specifically marketed to this day. Let's start making uh, costumes that are right. specifically marketed to that day. And what is interesting, because everyone's will saying, well, what about all the gore, uh, you know, all the darkness that we see in a lot of today's celebrations? Uh, again, it's a it's a continually a marking of the culture. And so what you end up seeing is that as society progresses, you saw this in the 1970s, especially during the sexual revolution. Uh, that's where adults started to participate in it. Uh, you also have the explosion of the New Age movement in the 1970s. Um, also, Halloween just took on a darker aesthetic. You had the uh, satanic panic of the 1980s. and But you also had a huge amount of influence of the ideas of Halloween being reshaped because you had movies like uh, Halloween by John Carpenter yeah. or like Friday the 13th. A lot of that 80s horror actually came about. That was yeah. what's interesting. This would be another subject, but a lot of the 1970s, the sexual revolution, 
the uh, a lot of the 80s horror films were actually a direct byproduct of those initial films. And so the impression, the ideas behind that got continually a lot darker uh, in the mm-hmm. 1980s. That was kind of really where the Norm Rockwell innocent idea of Halloween from Is the, Pumpkin, Is the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown turned into a lot. It just it, I really believe it came a lot darker around that time. Yeah. yeah. Do you have anything to add to that? Um, I, one thing I think that's important to, to understand is we need to base our convictions, uh, as Bible believing Christians on things that have a historical reality. It's okay to have a conviction about not celebrating Halloween because of the moral indignations that are going on today in our society. I get that, but we can't as Christians base our convictions off of historical inaccuracies if we are not ignorant about them anymore. Like saying Halloween has pagan origins. It's absolutely false. Uh, The preconceptions for Samhain, uh, it was a fear-based festival, which we know barely anything about, uh, in which that things would be offered to these spirits uh, in order to keep them happy. It was a fear-based celebration, whereas All Saints Day uh, and Hallow's Eve was a, a celebration of Christ's victory, right? Yeah. There was a public... There were, there was a public spectacle of mocking the forces of evil. We're not a Christianity is not a dualistic religion. Like Satan is not at the same level as Jesus. Jesus yeah. is Lord of all. He created mm-hmm. Satan. He conquered Satan. Yeah. That's what the celebration originally was. And what happens within our culture within the 20th century is when Christians are no longer being engaged in the culture, we allow celebrations like this to get taken from their roots and turn them into something else. And one of the reasons why uh, Halloween is so dark as it is, is it wasn't around the 60s and 70s to where uh, paganism tried to uh, blend their, some of their beliefs with our Gregorian calendar that we have today. And they actually went out of their way to choose October 31st specifically hmm. as the day for Samhain when it's not historically accurate. That's called an anachronism. Uh, so what we need to understand as Christians is we need to base our convictions in a, something that is actually historically accurate, but also yeah. as Christians, we can't go and say, yeah, I'm celebrating Halloween as a Christian and dressing up as some, and not doing it in the Christian way. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Because yeah. it goes on both sides right. of the coin. Yeah. yeah. And what's, go, ahead. go ahead. You have a question, Ellen? Well, um, you, you finish your thought because it, it might yeah. kind of take us in a little bit of a different direction. Oh, okay. Yeah, and this, and again, uh, we had we had some uh, tech issues that happened prior to this, so we're trying to trying to uh, really capture everything in the time that we have. But what it was really when you go back even to all Saints Day and what the spirit was, I guess you say, pun intended, uh, behind uh, the initial All Hallows Eve and even right next to All Saints Day, you think of like modern, you think about a meme, you think about satire. Uh, like when you did, like when, Allie, when you did that video, which I thought was hilarious, uh, sort of pa- doing a parody of AOC yeah. when she was pretending to be getting handcuffed. So really what you saw it was emulated the heart behind it was emulating uh in colossians when it talked about how christ has made a public mockery and spectacle over all principalities and powers Mm -hmm. now so the initial intent when people would sort of dress in these dark and uh, on some of dark and spooky it was almost satirical in nature so when you think about the devil costume like the red devil with a pointy tail with the yeah. ears there's no there's no christian scholar or anybody who would agree that that's what the devil looks like so the heart behind a lot of even when you look at even some of the older pictures there is still a dark aesthetic to it 
But even that came from this idea of making a public spectacle. I mean, we can have the discussion whether or not even that was something right for the church to do at that time. But it's objective historic, like history, like this is what took place. And that's why you see a lot of that darkness there. All right. Second sponsor is Hunter Douglas. Now, you might not think too much about what's on the windows in your home, but it can make a really big difference if you have uh, the right shades, not just for the aesthetic of your home, how your home looks, but also the feel of your home. It can save you a lot of money if you get the right blinds that are actually insulating your home, whether it's from the heat in the summer or the cold in the winter. You can save a whole lot of money on your utility bills by investing in good shade designs. Hunter Douglas offers unique shade designs that actually diffuse raw sunlight, casting a beautiful glow across the room. And they also have this awesome technology called PowerView Automated Shade Technology that allows you to schedule your shade to automatically adjust to their perfect positions throughout the day. Again, this is great for insulation, making sure that your home feels right, but also great for how your home looks. My parents have been using shades from Hunter Douglas in their home for a very long time. They love their Hunter Douglas shades. Go to HunterDouglas.com slash Allie today. Take advantage of a special rebate savings of $100 or more. This offer ends December 5th. So go to HunterDouglas.com slash Allie. Take advantage of that deal. That's HunterDouglas.com slash Allie. And that does lead to the question that I had, which was about satanic panic. We talked about... um, on the last interview that we did um, about Stranger Things. And the last season of Stranger Things was kind of about this satanic panic in the 1980s. And spoiler alert for people who haven't watched it, but the satanic panic in this area kind of led them to try to hunt down this guy that they thought was committing murders because he was part of something called the Hellfire Club. And so they just assumed that because he was kind of an outcast and kind of different, that he was the one committing these murders and uh, he wasn't. So even though that's fictional, like we could see how something that is superstitious and paranoid and is actually not even grounded in like good theology could lead people to make rash and bad and undiscerning judgments based on fear and not on faith in God. Can you, Mm -hmm. can one of you talk about like the distinction between the kind of satanic panic that leads to paranoia and the wise decision to say, you know what, whatever the origins of Halloween were, um, and we should look at that historically. I still, maybe a parent says, don't want to participate right. in this because of what it has become, because maybe they look at Philippians 4, 8, and they say, you know what, there's really not anything that I'm seeing that's excellent and praiseworthy. Or they're looking right. at, gosh, is it Ephesians four or five that says, uh, you know, you are no longer children of darkness. You are children of light. And so walk in what is good and right and true. And who say, you know what, I'm just not going to be a part of this. Can you kind of tell us the difference between that kind of paranoia and proper discernment when it comes to Halloween? No, absolutely. Thank you, Allie. And first thing I want to say is that a satanic SRA, or which is an abbreviation for satanic ritual abuse, uh, is 100% real. Uh, I've ministered to people who are victims of SRA. Mm. And it's it's like staring right into the eye of Mordor when you hear about yeah. what actually happened to them. And even people, they, in this particular case, it was someone 
this victim, uh, the people were actually were using the Bible to say that it was okay for her to be uh, abused in this way. Um, so it's 100% real. And so there's two sides to the equation. And, there's, there was sorry real... to interrupt. Sorry to interrupt. But they're just to add another example to that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they were as the church or temple of Satan. I'm not sure which state it was, if it was in Texas or Arizona, trying to say that because their religion requires abortion as a yeah. satanic sacrifice, then the mm-hmm. First Amendment should protect their right to abortion that happened just in the past year or so. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I just wanted to add on to that, that that is actually something that's happening. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And just, you know, too, there's a distinction between the Satanic Temple and the Church of Satan by Anton Levy. Those are two distinctive organizations. Oh, didn't even know that. Yeah. (laughs) The Satanic Temple are the ones when you see them uh, arguing under the First Amendment that abortion should be a uh, should be a right because it's a it's a religious right that comes for the Satanic Temple. They're the ones who are really trying to enact legislation. I think there is a video in the last year where they're trying to even articulate statues uh, with the satanic commandments, I think it is. And so you definitely see, I mean, obviously what it should very, be very eye opening for that is that one neutrality is a myth. Uh, that's yep. for sure. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's how we are approaching this as well too. Um, so when it comes to like the, the satanic ritual, so SRA is real, but also you had a lot of paranoia where there's a uh, false accusations that came about. There's a book called erasing, uh, memory, which was written by Lawrence Wright, who also wrote Going Clear, Scientology in the Prison of Unbelief, who talks about this guy named Robert Ingram, who was a sheriff. These two, uh, two of his daughters went to a, a, a Christian camp and they uncover these members of these memories of satanic ritual abuse. Uh, and they end up accusing their father. And because of that, uh, because he was somebody in law enforcement who was the sheriff, it became a matter of internal affairs. And then the dad had no recollection of this. Robert Ingram did. But as he began to do his own memory process, he started conducting memories. And not only was he a high satanic priest, but he started uh, indicting other people within his uh, other people, law enforcement. So a lot of people went to jail because of this one accusation. And he later retracted his memories. But because he had made this confession, there are a lot of people who went to jail. So you have two sides of the equation. You had real satanic ritual abuse, but you also had a lot of cases where false memories were conjured up, which people later retracted. Um, So when it comes to the, like, why is Halloween happening? Like it is, it is getting a lot darker and a lot gory. And I think when the conversation, I think honestly, and again, it's up to every person to practice discernment. And I wanted to maybe backtrack as well too. And I'll, Andrew, I'll let you jump in here as well too. Uh, In Colossians four, the apostle Paul says this amazing passage, one of my favorite verses when it comes to evangelism, it says, conduct yourself with with, uh, with wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of every single opportunity, but let your uh, speech be seasoned with grace and with salt, so you may know how to talk to each person in every situation. So, But you realize the context of that letter of Colossae, he is writing to a city that is just a carnival festival of ancient neo-paganism it was really like a 24 7 burning man on steroids so in this situation there are people i would say who might be very very sensitive and even people who do come out of the new age i think a lot of times what happens is that they have this realization that all this knowledge that they had was all of a sudden that was all rooted in satanic uh, power but then they look at the world around them, the current modern day celebration of Halloween and absolutely understandably, they want nothing to do with it. But also I think it is an opportunity. There is a 
time where this is where families they go uh, door to door. I mean, it's one of the very few times where people have an opportunity to go out and create relationships with your neighbors. Um, I think it's a matter of you need to figure out how can I live out that verse in Colossians to the best of my ability. Andrew, what are your thoughts? Yeah. So for wise discernment uh, for the Christian parent out there, I'm a, I'm a parent myself, uh, is we need to not be ruled by our emotions. Our emotions cannot uh, allow us to believe things that may historically be inaccurate if we base our convictions on them. Jer- Jeremiah 17.9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately sick. Mm-hmm. Who could know it? Uh, and me personally, as a Christian, I think that we need to have more holy day celebrations in terms of how Christians are the people now that have been redeemed, purchased with a price by the son of God who took on flesh and died on the cross for our sins. Every single day should be a holiday celebration. I don't think that Christians should shrink back from celebrating something on Halloween because there's a group of people who have done something that is now historically different than how Halloween was celebrated in the past. Instead, we need to go out there and reclaim it. We need more holy days. These things do not belong to the people who are not the people of God in the terms of the sense that they are redeemed and purchased and bought with the price. Jesus Christ is already one. We celebrate a day of rest every single day because I celebrated in Jesus Christ. My thought would be let's have more holy days and let's do them to the glory of God and show the people of the world what it really means to be someone who celebrates those days. Like it even says in the beginning of Genesis, uh, I think it's chapter one, it states that the the stars were created to measure time and for sacred days. Like we have the ability as people redeemed by Jesus to worship Christ with holy days. Let's make more of them. Let's yeah, reclaim yeah. the culture, guys. That's what we need to be doing. Yeah. And especially just one thing I'll just add too is that as we are practicing the sermon, and this it's not just Halloween, it's everything right now. Uh, even with a lot of the stuff that you cover, Allie, just with the explosion of uh, transgenderism, and uh, and so a lot of times when you look even at the uh, uh, popular accounts like libs of TikTok, mm-hmm. a lot of it is just people looking at somebody using the utilizing their pronouns, saying they them, and everyone's getting mad and upset or even mocking them. But they're losing fact of the bigger picture that that's really an indicative of the free fall into neo paganism. Yeah. So you don't need to be super conspiratorial about it. All you have to do is look at Romans chapter one mm-hmm. uh, when he's talking about how people worship the creation. Mm-hmm. Rather than the creator, the immediate byproduct is that there's a willful distortion of God's created order, namely between the masculine and the feminine. And that's really the heart and spirit behind and the zeitgeist behind a lot of that cultural aspect. So it's not just the current, again, Halloween, again, our historical research, it's always been a mere a, a mere reflection of the culture at large. So given that we're seeing this explosion of paganism everywhere, it's no surprise that this, the modern day, is very, it's very dark. I think it's going to continue get, to get darker. Th- and think about this too for the Christians who are listening to this. I was listening to a podcast recently called Sword and Staff, and they were going through some of the historical origins and development of Halloween. And one of the people on the podcast, his name is Richie, he actually used to celebrate Samhain uh, for what it was. And he, he, he made a really good point. He says, Christians, if we're not celebrating Halloween the way it can historically and should be celebrated as Christians, we're actually contributing to Samhain. Because if we think about the origins of Samhain in terms of it being something fear-based, where you're offering these things in order to keep these spirits at bay, Christians, if we're afraid 
of Halloween and we're not going and reclaiming the culture. We're essentially recreating that dead pagan yeah. festival in our fear. Mm -hmm. And I, that was really powerful to me, very yeah. palpable. Okay, let me tell you guys about crowd health. This is a different way to do health care coverage. It's not insurance. It is a better way to fund your health care costs. Open enrollment is here. That means now is the time to take charge of your healthcare systems. We know how broken and how complex the insurance model is, and it might not be helping your family as much as you need. So check out Crowd Health. Unlike HealthShare, other HealthShare companies, there's no maximum per incident when it comes to Crowd Health. You can see any doctor you want. All you have to do is pay the first $500 of any healthcare event, and then the Crowd Health community takes care of the rest. No exclusive doctor networks, no huge premiums or high deductibles, no surprises. You just pay one low monthly total to fund your account. Your monthly subscription helps fund healthcare costs of the entire Crowd Health community. And unlike insurance, you don't have to deal with all of the complexities and the brokenness of the insurance system. Um, for a limited time, join for just $99 a month for your first six months when you use promo code Allie at joincrowdhealth.com. Use promo code Allie to get that discount. That's joincrowdhealth.com, code Allie. Crowd Health is not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying for healthcare. Term and conditions may apply. Tell us a little bit more, and I know you both have kind of mentioned what you think it looks like for Christians to kind of reclaim this, but tell us a little bit more tangibly what it looks like. And I know it could be different for, you know, every family. I'm not saying that you have to lay out the exact rules on there or out there, but, you know, there does seem to be a little bit of a fine line. Like, which houses do you allow your kids to trick or treat at? Like, how scary do you allow the decorations to be? What is the line of costumes and things like that? And can you really say that Christians are reclaiming the culture? if all we're doing is basically following around the secular people, but in a little less scary way. So what does that look like? Yeah. So I'd say at first it starts in the home and in the church, right? Uh, this is how Martin Luther did it. He nailed the 95 Theses on October 31st for a very specific reason, mm. right? That's reclaiming Halloween. It starts mm. at first in the home. And the reality is, is historically some of these these costumes in terms of mocking the devil was something that the er, that not the early church, but the that's what Christians had practiced. Uh, but really, it just starts with celebrating and honoring God where you're at. I mean, personally, we do. I, I take my kids trick or treating, uh, but at the same time, I also celebrate Reformation Day uh, and venerating what had happened in the past when we right. took the Bible back from the hands of the Roman Catholic church, right? Uh, we as in Protestant Christianity, not me in general. I'm not 300, 400, 600. How, how long ago is that? That was like 60, that was like 400. It was, while, it was a while back. Yeah. But this even, is not a math even, podcast, so yeah. we won't yeah. judge you. Yeah. But even for myself, like I said, uh, I have my own personal convictions where I don't see myself in the, like in the near future celebrating the modern day or participating in the modern day version of Halloween. The one thing for sure that um, you know I'm getting uh, married in about a month, which is I'm very excited about. Praise God! Congratulations! But with, yeah, but especially with with my uh, children, like the one thing I think it's family worship, and we talk about self government, is that I would never want to just say, hey, guess what? You can't you can't dress up 
just because I said so. You can't dress up and hand out candy or whatever. Like, I want to be able to disciple my children and explain to them, one, who Jesus is, but also explain who Jesus is in relation to uh, the principalities and powers that he made a public spectacle over. And then because I think by the time my children is the way the culture is, you know, six, seven years from now, or whenever they're of that age where they start being aware of what's going on, people going door to door, it's probably going to be a lot darker. So I think one thing is that you need to be able to not be paranoid about it, but at the same time, you can't stick your head in the sand. Like I want to be able to explain to my children the gospel through that avenue for sure. And I think everyone needs to really think about this because a lot of these ideas, a lot of these things are not coming out of a vacuum. Even in Spirit Halloween, for example, uh, I went there, a couple of my friends did a little scavenger hunt, and we found a lot of things that were not just costumes of a fireman. Like there's an explosion just in the marketing of Halloween as of recently of just Ouija boards, uh, different uh, objects that are, they only have one purpose that is to tap into the unseen realm in a forbidden way that God says don't do because you have no control of what comes out the other side. And that's not to be paranoid. That's just the reality of what God says in scripture. And God's not a killjoy. I mean, God says in your presence, there's fullness of joy. In your right hand, there's pleasures forevermore. And what the New Age and the occult does, they try and offer a counterfeit version of that. Uh, but all of a sudden, when and this is why people who come out of the New Age, like our friend Angela Ucci, who was just on Michael Knowles uh, not too long ago, and she was on our podcast, like Jesus is everything to her because she spent just countless amount of time trying to find satisfaction, wholeness that could be only found in Jesus through all these other false principalities and powers. And also... One thing when it talks about walking with discernment and understanding uh, the nature behind, like, how do we actually deal with Halloween, is that we need to make sure, one, we don't sensationalize it, but also that just because, even as dark as, you know, a certain organization or person may be, it doesn't give us a precipice, it doesn't give us a, uh, a license to misrepresent that person. So, like, one example real quickly, there's a quote that gets shared around on Christian websites everywhere. There's people, who, there's even people that I love and respect that quote this. Uh, this is a quote by Anton LaVey that says, and he was the head of the Church of Satan. He said, and I'm paraphrasing, I said, I'm really glad that children at least get one uh, night uh, yeah, out of the year that. to worship the devil. Yeah. Uh, that quote, there's no original sources of where that quote comes from. Uh, every Christian website out there all quotes each other saying that he said it to the point where the Church of Satan actually did a tweet saying that we don't know, like he never said this. We have no resources sources on our end. Now, given it's the Church of Satan, yeah, okay, you could argue you could take what he says with a grain of salt. But the reality is, is that there's no resources that we have been able to find. And we've asked, it said, hey, if you can, if you know the actual source of, of an interview, uh, or somewhere where he wrote this down, great, but it's not there. So I think what's important is that we always try and accurately represent who we are talking about. We do that with cultish, with all the research we do. There's actually a famous incident with uh, Walter Martin where he was on stage with a ministry partner of his, and but this ministry partner said something, they're talking on Mormonism. They said something about Mormon, this partner said something about Mormonism that was historically inaccurate, and Walter Martin publicly rebuked him on stage because he was that committed to having integrity. Now, is Mormonism a false gospel? Is it a false gospel that can't save? Absolutely. But that doesn't give us a precedent to make up something fake about Joseph Smith or any of that. 
That's right, man. Yeah. As Christians, we need to develop our con- our convictions or even the things that people say on the on the independent line of two to three independent testimonies, right? Like that's not what happened with that Anton LaVey quote. So therefore Christians, we shouldn't be uh, engaging in gossip essentially because it's a big gossip fest, which then creates this idea that this thing is a, is this real quote when there's actual no, no historical sources for it, just as in there's no real historical sources saying that Halloween is a recreation of Samhain, a pagan festival. That's, from neo-pagan fake lore. Yeah. Uh, we don't want to live, uh, we want to live in reality as yeah. Christians. We don't want to live uh, yeah. not in reality, disillusioned. Yeah. And then just one, one last thing, and I'll just say one last thing too, is that most of the uh, New Age pseudo-history, if you look at the film Zeitgeist, where they make up stuff that Jesus is a copy of the pagan gods and that you know Horus is born on December 25th, and therefore, you know, we celebrate Christmas on December 25th. So therefore, Jesus is just this pagan copy of the gods. Uh, they pride them. The New Age prides themselves and think of that somehow this is ancient wisdom and they're tapped into something. But the reality is almost all aspects of current modern day New Age that you see articulated on channels like Guy on the Gaia Network and a lot of those other areas. It's all pseudo history that's based on people in the 19th century with really no historical credentials. Mm. And so, Andrew, just tell them really quickly about that's actually where the argument that Halloween was connected to Salon uh, developed. And that had to do with their invention of the calendar. Tell them, tell, explain that real quickly. Yeah, we talked about it just a little bit in the beginning, but it it wasn't around the 18th and 19th century when there was certain people who have now had their own the methods that they use to interpret history have now been uh, debunked by more modern forms of historians saying that the analytical methods that they were interpreting history through were more of a biased in nature. I named some names earlier in the episode. You can go back to that. But the the main point is, is that the actual history we have as Samhain is from at least the 11th and 10th century, whereas the documentation that we actually have of All Saints Day dates all the way back to the 3rd century and onward. Uh, Even with the date, for example, of celebrating All Saints Day and Hallow's Eve on the 31st and the 1st, predates that of the information we have on Samhain and how they even celebrated Samhain to begin with. Last sponsor for the day, and that is Patriot Mobile. If you are tired of sending your money to companies that hate you, that are turning around and giving your dollars to politicians and causes that are actively working against the rights and the values that you hold dear, then maybe you should switch to Patriot Mobile because they are taking some of your dollars and they are funding candidates, causes, and politicians that are fighting for your values and fighting for your rights. No matter what, some of your dollars are going to politicians if you are paying money to any of these corporations. So you might as well ensure that some of your dollars are going to politicians that are actually fighting for you rather than against you. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider. They are a force for conservative values. They've got affordable plans for you and your family, even your business. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers because they use multiple major networks. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Allie. You'll get free activation with the offer code Allie. Also, special discounts for veterans and first responders. Go to PatriotMobile.com slash Alley. Use code Alley. PatriotMobile.com slash Alley. 
So what I'm understanding, what I've gotten from all of this is one, a lot of historical knowledge that I did not know that I think is really interesting is that this, like in so many things for Christians, it requires a lot of humility. It requires some effort to understand uh, the real origins, to separate fact from fiction, to discern between um, a paranoia driven kind of isolationism from um, maybe cultural routines like Halloween versus discernment in making sure that we are following the Lord and walking in the light. And so there's a lot of discernment. There's a lot of, I don't like to overuse this word because I do think it's overused, nuance and Mm -hmm. freedom and wisdom and humility required in understanding what Halloween is and how Christians can be a representative of Christ within Halloween. Is that correct? Yeah, I'd say that's correct. Yeah, I think, and I think there's, so they're just, again, I think nuance does, again, that can be almost a pejorative, but I think that is, it, it, it really, there's no real clean way to cut this cookie of sorts just because, I mean, we, we, we know even by even talking about this or kind of just stating this, it might be polarizing for some people. And and, our, and honestly, we understand, again, I don't, I hope, I don't really believe I have a whole lot of prejudice given that I am, I don't see myself participating in it. Um, but I think one thing I would want to state, even for Christians who state that they're just doing it, you know, this is just the guise of like my, my own Christian liberty and all that. And I'll leave it up to that person's conscience. But I think it's very important to understand where people in the new way, especially the ex-New Agers are coming from in their opposition and even their uh, argumentation is that they're tapping into things. Again, I've never been there. I've never, thank, thank God I've never been in a position where I've had to tap into the occult. Um, I had friends at a very young age who were 11 years old who were playing around with Ouija boards. I just knew instinctively they were tapping into something that I, I shouldn't be involved in. But you need to understand is that a lot of them have actually seen things that the Bible says don't go there. This is kind of like seeing that no trespassing sign, violators will be shot. You know, seeing seeing the fence where that sign is, but all of a sudden realizing you're in the middle of that property, and then you realize there's a huge difference if you're on the other side coming out of it. And I think that's something that is very, very important to at least understand where people who are ex-New Agers that we love and respect are coming from. Um, so yeah, it definitely cuts both ways. And I think everyone needs to honestly, really, this is, this really comes down to the matter of self-government. You know, Mm -hmm. it's your responsibility to train up your children in the way that they should go to understand, uh, where the culture is headed and why it is the way that it is. I mean, Mm -hmm. given all that you cover on your show, Alan, we know that there is a, such a huge push to really try and indoctrinate our children, everything from the drag queen, uh, uh, you know, events to uh, all the books that are coming out, you know, the, all, all the things that children, parents are finding out at their school boards of what children are trying to be fed. There's yeah. definitely a huge, huge agenda out there. And I think it's very, very important. It's not just Halloween, but every single aspect we make, not just, we don't just want to protect our kids, but we need to be yeah. able to disciple them and really make them better than us because our children are going to be growing up 20 years from now in right. something that I don't think we aren't even going to recognize today. Yeah. Let your convictions be wrought by the Holy Spirit and not by your emotional impulses, I guess, is what I would say. Yes, that was great. That's a great way to end. Thank you so much, guys. This was fascinating for me. I learned a lot. I know my audience Mm. is going to love this. So thank you so much, everyone. Check out the Cultish Podcast. They've got lots and lots and lots of good content that you're going to learn from. I'll have to have you back on and talk to you about UFOs because that was another thing I wanted to talk about today. We We didn't get to it, but we will in the future. So thank you guys so much. 
Thanks, Allie. Thank you. Thank you.